It was a story that shocked the world. I realized that something that I was holding before that was moving was no longer moving. Headlines screamed, mom kills child over Facebook game. He wasn't breathing in my arms anymore. To many, it confirmed the evils of the internet and the self-obsession of Generation Y. I guess I came to and realized that something wasn't right. But is that the real story? I'm Candace DeLong, retired FBI agent, former psychiatric nurse, and host of Facing Evil on Investigation Discovery. I've seen bad things and met bad people. My job means I've sat across the table from killers more times than I care to remember and looked them in the eye. Do I see evil? Sometimes. More often, I see people. People who carry a burden few of us can imagine. Is Alex Tobias evil? You decide. For most moms, the thought of killing your child is about as abhorrent as you can imagine. But the sad truth is, by one estimate, a mother kills a child in this country every three days. In fact, murder victims under five years old are more likely to have been killed by one of their parents than anyone else. There are many explanations. Jealousy, revenge, depression, even compassion, believe it or not. I'm anxious to hear Alex's story. As she's brought into the interview room, she greets me courteously. I can see she's a little nervous. Alex is slightly built and pretty. She's in her mid-20s now, but she will grow old behind bars. Alex has been sentenced to 50 years. I start our conversation with her childhood, something her son was denied. Alex, tell me about what your life was like as a, a young girl. I grew up in Jacksonville, and I've been living there ever since. And my parents got divorced when I was five, which was pretty hard on me. And you remember that? I remember my mom throwing a plate at my dad's head. If you could pick one or two words to characterize your childhood, what word would you pick? Strenuous. So you don't recall having a happy childhood or carefree? No, never. Strenuous? Yeah. My mom was bipolar, severely bipolar. When she was at her low, which was pretty often, um, she would try to kill herself. And she did try to commit suicide a couple times and was admitted to a psychiatric hospital for the fact that her lows got so low. I felt like I had to be the parent sometimes because I had to put my foot down and tell her, hey, You've got responsibilities. You've got, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. For a young girl, teenager, mm -hmm. to have that enormous responsibility of taking care of someone that wants to kill themselves, what was it like for you? It was hard because I would always ask her, well, you have me. Why would you want to kill yourself? 
you always tell me you love me so much that you would do anything for me. If you want to do anything for me in this life, if it be anything at all, then live for me. The fallout from bipolar disorder can be devastating for family and friends. While modern medicines and therapies can help these days, it's still a lot to deal with for a teenager. They're already struggling to make sense of the world on their journey to adulthood. Then right in the middle of this turmoil, Alex's mom dies of heart disease. And Alex, just 16, finds the body. She died on St. Patrick's Day. The phone was dead and rigor mortis had set in and the TV was on from the night before. What did it do to you? It shattered me. It broke me. I have never coped with it. Alex had to grow up fast, but not all adversity is damaging. Some people who learn to cope early in life become very effective people, but not always. Emotional trauma, like Alex experienced, can be as scarring as physical trauma. It changes you forever, creating emotional memories that never leave. Which way would Alex go? In 2008, when Alex was 18 and just graduated from high school, she met a boy, EJ. Something about his little bad boy persona really got me. I think it was the challenge because he didn't want a girlfriend. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I knew the way he looked at me, and I don't know, I just fell for him. And what happened? Um, I found out shortly after that that I was pregnant. What did that mean to you? It was great. You were happy? Oh, I was thrilled. I was thrilled. I was scared more than anything. Although it was an accident, Alex says she's ready for motherhood. Perhaps she sees this as an opportunity to recreate the family she lost. So on October 16th, 2009, little Dylan arrives. What was motherhood like for you? It was beautiful. I couldn't get enough of him. I didn't want people touching him. I didn't want them to break him. I didn't want nobody to do anything to him. His cries were like music. They weren't really sad to me because that was him. That's his way of communicating. And I loved every minute I spent with him. And I'm glad because I'm the only one that spent so much time with him. It can be a beautiful time for new mothers. I still remember the early days with my baby son. That time of bonding, getting to know this new person in your life. Each little giggle, smile, and yes, even nap time are memories that last forever. But not all mothers have that experience. Around one in 10 American women experience postpartum depression or baby blues. 
After the delivery, a woman's estrogen and progesterone levels drop dramatically, creating mood swings and sleeplessness. Factor in a crying baby and a new relationship, the odds of smooth sailing start stacking against you. And that's what seems to happen in Alex's case. I had contemplated suicide. Why? I was severely depressed. My son was always upset. He was sick. And I hated the fact that every time EJ would walk in that house or walk in the room, Dylan would cry. What did you think was going to happen to Dylan if you killed yourself? That there would never be any more arguments between me and his father. You I were willing that... to die and leave him with his father? Because I was, I was tired of hurting my, I was tired of hurting on the inside for myself, as opposed to, he was a newborn. He could, you know, granted I wouldn't be there, but still, I was tired of being in that equation of okay. hurting him. Alex is clearly in need of professional help at this time, but she doesn't get it. Her mother is gone, and it seems no one can see the warning signs. She could have been suffering from bipolar disorder like her mom. The illness can be passed on. One in 10 children of those afflicted inherit the illness. But I can't know for sure. One thing I'm almost certain of, Alex was in the eye of a depressive storm. Soon, she's reaching for the chill pill, Xanax. She takes some the day Dylan dies. What happened? So I got Dylan up, got him ready at 8, 8.30, got on the computer. Shortly after that is when you I got on the computer to do what? I was on Facebook. I got on Facebook to play on Fishville. Dylan was fine or whatever, and I got off the computer, took my, my pit bull outside, let him go to the bathroom. And when, like, the next thing was more clear was the fact that he wasn't breathing in my arms anymore. Alex is withdrawing at this point. It feels like she's trying to avoid my direct questions. She's just giving me minimal information, only the facts she's comfortable with. I honestly can't recall the actual incident itself, but when it comes down to it, I had taken a good handful of some Xanax. So then how did you become aware he wasn't breathing? I guess I came to and realized that something wasn't right. Where I was didn't know he? what it was in my arms. And you realized he wasn't breathing? I realized that something that I was holding before that was moving was no longer moving. What did you do? I panicked. And I called I called EJ and then ten seconds later I called 911. How long did it take for the paramedics to get there? I don't know. Evidence in court showed Dylan had a fractured leg, bruising on the skull, and bleeding on the brain. He'd been violently shaken and dropped. Do you remember shaking Dylan? No. 
Do you remember hitting his head? No. In low doses, the sedative Xanax lowers anxiety quickly, giving a chilled sensation. But Alex took more than the recommended dose that day, and that can induce severe drowsiness. This could explain Alex's memory loss. But I don't think that's an adequate explanation. I think it's simply too painful for Alex to admit to me, or to herself, what she did. The human mind will do anything to protect itself from pain. I think for whatever reason, Alex snapped. The trigger is probably the least important thing here. What is clear to me is Alex should not have been alone with Dylan at this turbulent time in her life. She had a predisposition to crack under pressure, and she did. When were you told that Dylan had died and it was a result of you? I wasn't really told that it was a result of me, but they had told me the next day when he had died. I didn't come to terms with that it was actually me up until a couple of years ago. Tell me about when you had that realization. I had that realization when I met my niece. And how did one turn into the other? She opened my eyes to the life that I took and the choice that I took to move, to have to take drugs that day, the choice I chose to do drugs instead of I didn't choose to be the mother, I chose to do drugs as opposed to choosing to be the mother. I should have, and when I seen my sister with my niece, broke my heart. Still breaks my heart. But she's so good with her, and I know I'd be like that with my son. Must be hard. Something I have to live with for the rest of my life. And I'm made aware of that every day. Can't run from it. Can't I don't, bury it. I don't, I don't need to run from it anymore. I need to face it. What have you come up with that's helped you deal with it? Um, Self-mutilation. This is not what I want to hear. Self-mutilation is like a drug. It creates a physical pain that can mask emotional pain because the human brain focuses on the cut or burn instead of the bad thoughts. The relief never lasts very long, and the sufferer is compelled to hurt themselves over and over again. What does that do for you? It gives me a physical pain as opposed to an emotional pain. It's opening up my heart, it's opening up the wounds that need to be released. Does it help? Yeah, it does, but it, it's something that I have to constantly go through. It's not just sometime, oh, this is how I feel one day. I don't want to feel those feelings, so instead of embracing them, I inflict them. Like I hurt somebody, so I, the way I hurt somebody is the way I'd hurt myself. So you're punishing yourself, it sounds like. Very much so. Do you think you'll ever stop? No, not, not right now. You're not ready to forgive yourself, it sounds like. How can you be? Do you think you ever will? Eventually, maybe. I don't, I just, you know, it's not, 
it's not easy to endure to live with right now. The young woman sitting in front of me is deeply troubled. She is haunted by what she has done. But any road to recovery usually depends on one thing, taking responsibility. Are you responsible for Dylan's death? Yeah. I take full responsibility for my actions, whether I remember them or not, because it was only me and him that day. Do you think, given the opportunity, you might ever have another child? No. So even if you had the opportunity, you would choose not to? No, I would not. I would give it to somebody else. I don't ever want to be put in a situation where I feel like that again. I don't want to be put in that situation. This is a tragic story for everyone. Let's not forget EJ, who lost his son, and his family, who lost their grandson the day Alex snapped. I'm convinced this was a preventable crime. That's not to say anyone else but Alex is responsible. I simply mean we all, as a community, need to be aware of our sisters, brothers, neighbors, and friends. We need to look out for each other, and although mental illness is often hard to put your finger on, there are professionals ready and willing to help. All you have to do is ask. Alex, there's millions of young women watching this interview. If you could give them one piece of advice, what would it be? If you feel like you're unstable mentally, physically, whatever it might be, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Don't think that you can make it better because sometimes you need a little extra to help you to seek that help because if I would have seek the proper help, my, my state of mind might not have been where it was at and my son would have never been put in that predicament. I really, really, really I think that's probably the best thing for somebody to do because otherwise you'll end up where I'm at for a mistake that you'll have to live for the rest of your life. Next time on Facing Evil. What about my child? What about me? You know what I'm saying? The extraordinary things a mother will do for her daughter. And so I grabbed for the first thing, which was this hammer. I hit him, Miss Candace. Are you with him right now? Yeah, he, yeah, he right here. He unconscious. Okay. Oh, my God. That's next on Facing Evil. For Beyond Productions, the producers are Sue McGregor and Jeff Fitzpatrick. For Investigation Discovery, the producers are Pamela Deutsch and Sarah Kozak. Kevin Bennett is the general manager, and Henry Schleif is the network president. I'm Candace DeLong.